is Color Speak, unveiling truth for light. Hi, I'm your host, Janet Huxley, author J.M. Huxley. Welcome to this podcast to unveil truth and uplift you. Light is where you'll find truth. Truth is where you'll find color. Color is where you'll find God. Color is God. It's His love for you. We know light is what makes color happen. Color is a product of light. So if God is light, that means color testifies. Have you ever thought of color this way? Color celebrates what God has done from the beginning, what He is still doing. We can be encouraged to live our lives to the fullest, knowing we have support from the other side cheering us on in living color. We need only pay attention to be empowered on our journeys. There is so much more beyond what we can see. There is so much right in front of our eyes. You see, God never asks us to believe Him blindly. He gives us proof of His love and devotion to us, if we will only permit Him to. Because if we can be assured of a Creator who has our best interests in His heart and who loves us, we can be assured of our sacred, dynamic purpose here on Earth. When we operate outside of fear and circumstances and within the glory our God has for us, we are able to step in and up to all we are designed to be. He never promised this would be easy. Not everything we walk through is cushioned with beds of colorful rose petals. But there is always hope there. There is always light for our effort. When we experience this, we are compelled to share this truth with others. Our encounters with God serve others. Our stories give the Spirit opportunity to work. Because there is triumph over struggle and victory over pain, and there is a love that can heal all brokenness, and we need to talk about these things. Today, we have the honor of hearing from a woman who learned to balance her desire for healing with finding contentment apart from it. Debbie learned to stand in the gap which is why her soon-to-be-released book is entitled, I'm Still Standing, Balancing Contentment with Desire for Healing. I'm Still Standing is Debbie's story of maintaining hope in the face of a sudden disability. Marked with questions about the Lord's purposes, it follows her learning to cope with many sudden losses in her life, but still reveling in the Lord's provision. Refined by her disability, she recounts the lessons she has learned about herself with viewpoints from her husband, parents, siblings, and friends, and she redefines normal, concluding that the Lord's ways and timing prevail. In 1999, at the age of 25, Debbie was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. She says life was basically normal until the age of 43. Then in 2017, she experienced a major MS exacerbation, leading to the use of a cane, then a walker, and now a wheelchair. Debbie is a mom, a former school social worker, and now a soon-to-be published author who lives in a small town in Kansas. And Debbie has a lot to encourage us with today. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Janet. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. I'm just excited to hear what you have to say. And I will tell you, this is going to be a very organic podcast episode, which I love to do because I will be learning along with the rest of you about Debbie today. I will tell you, I don't know Debbie well, but what I do know is just absolutely a privilege to know. Debbie, tell me some more about yourself. Well, I had the privilege of working, as you said, as a school social worker for 11 years. And then I got to stay home with my kids when they were born and up until, uh, well, I'm still staying home. And so that was a huge privilege. I have three kids who are, well, almost 10, and then another 10-year-old and 13. And my husband, I've been married to for 20 years. He teaches public middle school um, here in our small town, and I get to spend time during the day by myself with the Lord and writing my book. It's wonderful. It's such a privilege. Wow, that is nice. So what subjects does he teach? Is it more than one or is it a specific subject? Yes. 
he, he teaches social studies, Kansas history. And in the past, he's taught things like English, reading, PE, and he's coached both middle school football and high school baseball recently. Wow, that sounds like fun. Well, I still teach three high school classes myself. Okay. And they are American Lit, Brit Lit, and Worldviews. And this is my last semester teaching, but it's been a privilege. I love working with kids and I love Kansas history. Yeah. I'd like to sit on on that class. You know, I I would too, but I didn't take Kansas history having grown up in Texas. And so I would love to take Kansas history. And I should note that my husband has my son as a student this year. And so I hear more about middle school than I've ever heard about any schooling. And it's wonderful. Oh, it is. I mean, it's one of the benefits to homeschooling. I did homeschool five of our eight kids. Mm -hmm. And what I hadn't learned before I learned. So it was it was really fun for me too. Okay, learning all the way around. And tell me you said you have two 10 year olds? Well, I do. I my youngest child, she was adopted. And so my youngest two are actually seven months apart. That was not purposeful, except for God. And um, so they're treated like twins in school. The 10-year-old is a, the oldest one is a boy. And so at least they're different genders. But yeah, that's why they're that close in age. That's wonderful. Very cool. Well, hey, you know, I want to just clarify God set all of this up for our listeners. So you and I connected through a mutual friend when you Mm -hmm. began your writing process. And so you've been busily writing your first book, which is super exciting. And then recently, I love that you reached out to me because again, it's God's timing because you wanted to talk all about editing and all of the stuff that goes along with publishing. And because of that, I had you on your mind. I had you on my mind. But then I had a break this week in my calendar for this podcast, and I prayed God would fill it with the next guest he intended for it. And I've always allowed him to do that. I don't get too far ahead of the game because I know that he's going to always have the right person at the right moment that he wants here, and he wants to be heard. And I have a way now on my website where potential guests can can get on and, and schedule interviews, and I all of that to say, I did not have this week booked. So I went to the Lord and I said, I'm so excited. You're going to tell me who it is I need to talk with. So I had you on my mind because we had reconnected, but then it sort of floated away and I'm driving down the highway and I said, okay, God, by the way, we need to get back to this topic. Who do you want on Color Speak this week? And I was on the highway headed into the city And just then the car next to me in the left lane passed by and I noticed the license plate. It had a symbol of a wheelchair on it. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a God ping. Mm. He said, that's who I want you to ask. I want you to ask Debbie to come on your podcast. And I thought, what are the chances she's available like tomorrow? (laughs) So so here we are. And I'm just so thrilled to know that. You're right in the place that you need to be right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm so honored for you to be here. The honor is mutual. So I want to talk about this book that's forthcoming, which will be released soon. I know you're getting it off to the editor right away. I'm still standing. I love that title. That's awesome. Thank you. It's so ironic. Yeah, my kids actually stopped and very seriously, one looked at me and said, uh, Mom. You don't stand. <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> laughed. I said, well, that's the point. In fact, the book, the cover, my thought is that the cover will have a, a picture of a wheelchair. And so that will be even further irony, hopefully creates even more interest in what this book is all about and why in the world would this title be I'm still standing when obviously wheelchairs being used. Wow. Well, so tell me, what is your mobility like? Are you able to care for yourself during the day when your husband and children are at school? Yeah, that that's a great question. You know, it, it, every part of that changed. 
and was different every week during the past four years, but it's pretty much been stable since May. Let me go back a little bit. My, my health declined since 2017 until May of 2020. And so it was like I was experiencing a new change or a new loss every week. And then finally, with the help of probably medication, my decline stopped in May. And I've been fairly stable since then. So, yes, I, I have a motorized wheelchair, an electric wheelchair um, in my house that I use. And so I can get around fine by myself. If I need to stand to get something, I might do that. I don't like to do that, that a lot, honestly, but I might do that. So, but yes, I, I can care for myself during the day. I can get ready for myself by myself in the morning, which is a huge blessing. And I'm a fairly independent person. And so being able to do that by myself is huge. Because yeah. I, I, and I, I wasn't for a while in, in the spring of last year. I was having to depend on, on my husband a lot to, to move around. So you can get in and out of your wheelchair yeah. by yourself right now at yeah. this time. I still, I, I still have arm strength. Not, not all of it. I mean, certainly weakened, but I can move in and out of my chair. Yes. That's good. Well, we need to pray that not only does any progression toward a greater disability continue, but that you, I'm very optimistic that you could actually have healing, you know, completely at some that. point. That's our God, yeah. you know, but I, and I, and I want to get to your book, but that's your whole point is yeah. that you are standing in the balance, in yeah. the gap between learning to be content in yeah. this moment and knowing that healing is out there somewhere yeah. in the distance. Yes. If not in this life, certainly the next. Right. And that's a that's a hard question to balance and to reconcile yeah. because I know what the Lord can do. Um, yes. But it Amen. hasn't happened to me. And so I'm not going to be upset about that and dwell in that upsetness. Um, I'm going to live life. I have three kids that in the husband, you know, I have to live life. So instead I'm going to learn to be content in the meantime. Wow. And that's what a hard example for I, everyone. I can say that very easily, Janet. It's been extremely yeah. hard to get to this point. That's for sure. Well, and I want, I want to go there if you will permit us yeah. to go there, but, but let's back up just a little bit. I want to know why you wrote this book? What yeah. compelled you to write what you have? Well, the Lord. I I never had any intention of writing my story. My husband and I went to a conference in August, and two people came up to me and asked me if I was a writer. And at that time, of course, I was not. But when I got home, that really stuck in my mind. <laughs> and I wondered if that was the Lord telling me that yes. I needed to be a writer. And so I started to pray about that. And my way of making decisions and is by feeling at peace and but noticing that something is on my mind quite a bit. And so I really felt like the Lord was leading me to write a book. So I I did. I wrote my story and um, it's, it's almost been therapeutic. I, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure that you for know sure. that as a writer, um, but it's been really good for me to, to look at what I've learned through, through this process of becoming disabled and, um, yeah, my thoughts about it and, um, hopefully what others are learning as well. Well, that's just so incredibly encouraging. And, and I'm sure that you have gone through the book, in in your writing, you have obviously shared some of those intimate details about what it's like to struggle in the situation you're yeah. in. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's opened my eyes to lots of, well, disability issues, first of all. Um, uh, but, but also sure. just, you know, what, what people do say or don't say 
And um, yeah, that, that's been a learning process for me to realize that others just don't know what to say and therefore either um, unintentionally, well, dumb things come out or, or nothing sure. comes out and it feels like I'm being ignored. But looking back, I realized that they just don't know what to say. Well, and I wanted to stop down there when you mentioned that. Could you tell us what people could say, maybe? Could you give us an example mm, of what yes. would be the right thing to say to uh, someone yeah, I, in your I, condition? I would, I would love to. Um, you know, I would. I want to be treated like I was before, as if I wasn't disabled. Um, I'm trying not to use the word normally because I've had to redefine what normal means. Um, but I, I had a friend ask me, what are you looking forward to this season or upcoming? And I loved that because mm -hmm. it made me feel normal. Or um, in fact, I had a friend a couple of years ago that said, see, you're still the same Debbie. And that was such a compliment to me because even though I move around very differently and my life is much slower now, I'm still the same old person. And, and so I, I just want a person to, to not look at my wheelchair, but to still ask my opinion, ask me to pray for them, and just talk to me as if I'm, I'm, I'm the same person I've always been. Like the, like you're not a victim. Yeah. <laughs> like you're in the same position they are. Exactly. And you need to have them appeal to you for help just as much as you would appeal to them. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm thinking like your kids, I'm sure your kids still argue with you and drive you crazy. Oh, my. <laughs> well, yes. In fact, they have told me um, that they don't even remember a time when I was not disabled, which is really hard, actually. Of course, but on the other hand, that's a good thing because this is so mm -hmm. normal for them. It's no big deal. Um, I've even asked them if me being in a wheelchair is embarrassing to them, if I come to their school or in public, and they have said it's not, that that's just how life is. And I am so thankful for that. Oh, Yeah. That's unconditional love. Yeah. And you want that love from everyone else. Yeah. And I would assume that it's very affirming and validating, not only to have that love, but to have those instances where there are the regular things that everyone endures, the arguing, the discontent, the differences of opinion, all of that. And I would think in terms of just looking at your adult friends and those in the community, as far as their responses to you are concerned, it, it should be the same thing. Yeah, because in other words, they should be able to see you eye to eye, not as someone who is in a victim type place that prevents normal dialogue or discourse yeah. or even interaction as far as differences of opinion are concerned. Yeah, I've had to learn that the way that I present myself maybe makes myself look like a victim or invites transparency and and being real. And so I've realized through this past year, or these last of being in a wheelchair, or through the past four years of becoming disabled, that it would be very easy for me to be very reclusive and stay in my house. That'd be easy. Sure. However, I have learned that the more out in public I am in my small town, the more encouraging that is to others. I think that me being in public in my small town around people who knew me for several years, not disabled, and now are getting used to me, seeing me in a wheelchair, I think the more that they see me in a wheelchair, the more they realize that my life is not easy, just like their life is not easy, but I'm finding hope and joy and contentment in that. And I hope that that's encouraging. So I feel like it's a good thing that I'm out more and I feel like that encourages 
others. Well, I love what you said there, because that's important information for all of us, whether we're in wheelchairs or not. We all get into these places of comfort, and we want to sort of shelter in place, as they say, or, or hold ourselves up in this. For me, I feel like I I could easily crawl into my cave. I live out in the country. I'm in a gated area. I love getting home and just being able to talk with God and enjoy the great outdoors, all of those things that, that are really great for my comfort level, (laughs) but they don't allow me to get out and to interact with people. And that's what we're called to do. And we're called to be um, not only an example, but we're called to love others. And we can't very well do that from the confines of our own safe environment. Right. Not always anyway. Right. Yeah. You're right. I would love to just stay home and not go to the pain of getting into my van from my wheelchair and using public bathrooms that maybe aren't handicap accessible, for example. Yeah. That's that's really a problem. However, it's worth it. Um, it's worth getting out and having coffee at the coffee shop with my friends and being social. And, and I, I, my, my hope is that that shows people that the Lord can work through and has a purpose for all the bad stuff that goes on in, in our lives. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely a shining example and encouragement to us. And just thinking about just the way that you feel when others regard you one way or another. My mom came to mind. She's 83 and she is spry and she always has been active when we were younger. When I was in college, she used to go to fitness classes with me and she Mm. sailed a lot. She was uh, a Commodore of a yacht club in California and was Mm. she even crewed on the Stars and Stripes. She is an amazing woman who at 83 gets down on the floor and plays with her great grandchildren. Wow. However, I will say that I was not very mindful recently when we were walking out of my daughter's house and there was ice on the steps. And I said, be careful, mom. And I said, why don't you hold on to me? And she looked at me and she said, well, you could fall as easily as I can. She goes, you be careful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's she's really something. And I and I said, you know what, you're right, but I have 57-year-old bones and you have 83-year-old bones, but mm-hmm. she made a really good point, you know, and I think, yeah, I would I'll feel the same way at her age if yeah. if people consider me to be less because of mm-hmm. my age or my position or ailment or whatever it is. And I think yeah. that's what it boils down to is you you don't want to feel less than that's a really great way of putting yeah. it feeling less yeah because you're right I don't want to feel less be treated less be talked to as if I'm less um yes that that's a wonderful way of putting it well if it helps you I'm not kidding I forgot you had this disability so you and I talked <laughs> I did I really did and even when I saw the wheelchair yesterday I'll be honest I wasn't even sure at first, I thought, well, I knew it brought you to mind and I knew what God was saying, but I thought, but is that even applicable? And should I even share that with her? Because she's maybe not even in a wheelchair. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just the craziest experience. And that's part of the beauty of talking over the phone, too, yeah. is that we yeah. we were really focused on your message in your book. So yeah. I lost sight of that. And it reminds me years ago of a friend that I had that was not this reminds me, but it's a similar situation. I had a friend who was a very large woman and she was just my friend. I knew her as my friend. I loved her. I had a heart for her and I, I didn't, I forgot that she was a very big woman. And then I introduced her to another friend and the friend was kind. It it wasn't like that at all, but the friend said, Oh, the very big girl. And I had Mm. to stop for a minute and say, oh, is she big? Well, I guess she Mm. really is big. But I I was so focused on who she was inside, you know, Mm. like with your family members that may be that way, or in your case, your kids, how they view you in a wheelchair. Those things are immaterial. It's it's about what is going on inside. And I think it's lovely that we can talk about this and really encourage people to see beyond the exterior physical limitations, which really are no limitations at all, and not see anyone as less because of any way in any appearance because of their appearance. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the book. Can you, are you able to? Yes. 
Tell me yes. what it was like to receive that diagnosis in 1999 and what you were thinking in terms of your faith and God, all of that. So I got the diagnosis when I was 25 and I had been having symptoms since I was 23, which was just at the end of grad school. And so I was very young. I, there, I have a genetic predisposition for MS as people that that's the wording for when it's in people's family, because I had a grandmother okay. and one of her brothers who had MS. And so while it was not a huge surprise, it was not welcome. And it was very scary to me at that time. And my faith is not where it was now. I, mean, I had one, but I of course had just gotten out of college. So I was very scared. I was not married at the time. I, uh, my husband and I were in a relationship, but I was not married. And so, yeah, I would say mainly, mainly marked with fear about the future. Um, so my, my dad just put it in a way that I never looked at it before. He said, um, you know, when I was diagnosed back in 99, the prayer was that I would not experience disability. And God answered that with a yes for 20 years, for 17 years, 18 years. And I mm -hmm. never looked at it that way because I, I was privileged to have some wonderful years of non-disability while I had MS. Never looking at it in the way that God kept me from becoming disabled so I could experience all those things. It was very scary at that time. Did you blame him at all? No, no, I've never blamed him. And that's a good question, Jana, because lots of people, I think, assume that, assume that I'm angry with God or assume that I think that I did something wrong because the, the most common comment that I get from people is that, well, when they want to pray for me, the most common thing that's said is that, you, is that you did nothing wrong. This is not your fault. And, you know, I've never thought that. <laughs> I, I Right. You're thinking, well, yeah, duh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course yes, not. I yeah. I think, yeah, pretty much. And, and so, no, I, I've never been angry at God and, and I've never, um, blamed him or felt that I was the cause. Not that I think I'm perfect. But did you rail at him because of it? Were you angry, though? Not necessarily at him, but the situation oh, totally. at all? Yes. Yeah. And especially the last four years. I, I've grieved a lot. And for me, that means crying. I've cried many, many, many tears. Mm. I'm sorry. So, thank you. And and so while I haven't been angry at God, yes, I've been angry at the situation and very sorrowful about my situation, grieving a lot. Yeah, well, that's understandable. So what has he shown you through this and how have you gotten closer to him because mm. of it? Mm. Great question. He has shown me so much. You know, um, I was reminding myself of one of my favorite sections of of um, the Bible, the couple of verses that have meant maybe the most to me, even though I would say it's hard to hard to choose because lots of verses have meant the most to me. But in Second Corinthians four verses sixteen through eighteen from the New Living Translation, it starts with that is why we never give up. And, you know, Janet, that's my personality. I'm a very determined, independent yeah. person. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, yeah. God, God gave that to me, I think, for this reason. Um, so it says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. You Amen. know, I had read these verses before. But in the last four years, yes, my body is certainly deteriorating. It goes on to say, for our present troubles are quite small. And will last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. 
it really stands out to me that God says your present troubles are quite small. It does it's not it doesn't seem small to me mm-hmm. that I'm now disabled. And he tells me that it won't last very long. Well, I I I have had fears much different from that. Um, mm-hmm. But he goes on to say, um, so we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. And so I know this is a verse that is in some of your materials, um, so you're familiar with it. But focusing on the unseen has been very important to me. And knowing that That's the great. Lord has, um, the, the, well, I, I just have to trust. I, I use the, the, the phrase blind trust. I, I'm just trusting that the Lord it has a wonderful purpose for this. And that I may never, and I know I may never see it. This side of eternity. But it, right, you're exactly right. But I have to, I have to have something to hold on to, and that's what it is. Well, how has he demonstrated to you, Debbie, that he's in the moment? I mean, how are you so assured of this for those mm. who are listening? Yeah, that's a great question. Because it's more than just optimism. It, it it is it is more than that. You know, uh, one, I can look at my window and see God's nature all around me, and. Just hear, hearing even the same bird chirping every morning, right when the sun breaks, is that that's God. God is in that. Mm-hmm. And um, two, I, I'm a person who loves to pray, and I and I have been a person who loves to pray for 20 years. It's not recent, and things that I've prayed for for 20 years. I, I saw the result of and saw it answered in the way that I had prayed for. And um, even though that was a long time waiting, very long, I, God's, I've seen God do that in his own timing. Well, I know that you only need look out your window and see everything all around you to know that God is present. It's yeah. much harder to have faith that he is not involved than it is just to observe yeah. and see that he is absolutely everything about the world we live in, the way it functions and the way that it's set up testifies to this and testifies to the truth that there is still more good than bad. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like your faith has grown through yeah. your time with this disability. Yes, I, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think that's come from lots of grieving, as I said earlier, and not wanting to stay in that place of grieving, knowing that it's okay, but also knowing that I need to find the joy that that comes in the morning. And so, yes, I've certainly grown in my faith. And that comes from, you know, Janet, I surround myself with women, with my friends who know the Lord well. And who that's important. It. Yeah. It's so important because when we get together, that's what we talk about um, is the Lord and where we're at with the Lord and what we're studying in the Lord. And that is so important to me. That's one of the things that's really helped me move forward in my faith during this time. But also, it's having a husband who, also pursues the Lord strongly mm-hmm. and encourages me to. And so that's a huge in it. I know that not everybody has that. That's a huge blessing to me that I do. But yes, I, and I would say too, another way that I've gotten close to the Lord during this time is, you know, I mentioned earlier that I get to be home during the day while my kids and my husband are at school and I purposely don't fill my day with lots of things because I want to spend time with the Lord. And and so I, I purposely spend that time with the Lord lots of time so I can get to know him better. And, and so I can learn to 
hears voice and and operate by him. Oh my goodness, that almost brings tears to my eyes. I totally can relate to this. There is nothing more wonderful than having that alone time with him. It makes oh. me giddy. It does. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just want to circle back to what you said about the verse that you gave, Second Corinthians mm-hmm. 4, 16 through 18, the yeah. verses. Before you read those, all I kept thinking is we have one life to live. We have one life to live. We have one life to live. That's what these verses are all about. We all have one life to live. And the rest of eternity is going to be contingent upon how we choose to live that life right Mm -hmm. here, right now. And Mm -hmm. we were never promised that it was to be all about our comfort. You see, for those that think this is all there is, that's what they're fighting for is as much comfort and success and materialism and whatever that they can acquire in this moment. But see, when we look beyond that, that that's not our prize. And so therefore, in this moment, whether it's just simply standing up for truth or talking about a condition that you're going through, whatever it is that we're doing in this life and experiencing and choosing to share with others, that matters. And I love that you you see your life this way. And you've cried, you've lost You've mm. lost tears over this, surely, many, many, many. but you yeah. nevertheless endeavor to put your best foot forward, no pun intended, that you would honor him in the process that no matter what you're going through, you are, you're going to see it through to the finish line. And that is such an incredible message, a great illustration for the rest of us, because we all have our issues we know what yours are, yeah. Debbie, but you also so gracefully and beautifully put that despite the, this situation, your MS, you have been richly blessed in so many other ways. And yeah. there are those who don't have those blessings that you have that can run. I just think it's it's a great testimony. Yeah. As we were talking, I was trying to find the story. It's just such a good story. And now here I'm going to say it and I don't even remember the name of the book, but there was a woman and maybe some of the listeners know what I'm talking about. There was a woman who wrote a book years ago, I would say within the last decade, that was at work and was getting something out of storage in a back room and up high and she fell and she landed upside down, but hanging by her foot for quite a long time Hmm. and ended up with all sorts of terrible issues because of this. And she was wheelchair bound. And for 18 years, for Hmm. 18 years, this woman begged the Lord for healing. And at the very end of the book, Mm -hmm. it's just the most incredible story that I've ever read. She is in her wheelchair by herself and the wheelchair falls over and she, really, yeah, it gets caught on the rug or something and she can't get up and she cries out to the Lord And she says he appears to her, that Jesus appears to her in this room and heals her. Mm. And later, her family comes over and walks into this room and the Christmas tree is up and they see the wheelchair position next to the Christmas tree. And they're all frightened because they're wondering where their mom and their wife is. Mm. And turns out she's standing behind the Christmas tree and then she steps out to show them all her healing. And then she also documents yeah. in the book, all of, she has all sorts of medical records she includes to show that she really did have her healing. Wow. And so my takeaway at the end was I sort of railed to the Lord. I'm not going to lie. I said, why did you make her wait 18 years, Lord? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. what was all of this about? However, I will say that what a testimony that is with all of the documentation she provided. And I believe in healing. I believe this is true. I believe what she says is accurate. I also know, of course, that that doesn't happen for everyone. And I myself have been just in the trenches on occasion, crying out to him, asking him why he won't answer prayers of mine. So I don't know what all of that looks like or, or how all of that works. I I know that we can believe and we can trust in him, that he has a purpose and a plan. And it sounds like you are living that out, that you have found your dynamic, sacred purpose, and you're living it out. Yeah, it's as I said, right in the beginning, it's such a hard balance to live out. You know, this desire for healing, 
that's prayed for all the time by hundreds of people. But yet, at the same time, having to give him the glory for what looks like a very terrible situation. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard thing to reconcile. Um, but thankfully, the Lord is so gracious and has taught me so much and um, continues to bless me in, in other ways, not, not in healing, but in many, many other ways. How do you look at the future, Debbie? What do you see there? Yeah, um, that's a great question. You know, honestly, sometimes there's fear. And it depends. It it goes back and forth. I go back and forth on that every day because I don't want to be, be fearful. The Lord says very directly in the Bible uh, well over 350 times mm-hmm. to not fear. And so I, I know I'm not supposed to fear. Um, however, that does come to mind occasionally, especially if there's a day that's tough and I'm having trouble moving around or um, if, if my leg won't lift off the ground or whatever, you know, I, that makes me fearful about the future. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's hard to think about my kids, like graduations, their weddings, things like that, having grandchildren. That, that, I, I don't know. I have no idea. So I have learned not to think about the future very much not to make plans for the future um, because what, what I want doesn't, doesn't matter first of all, and uh, may not happen. So mm. I have this uh, kind of filter that, that I've built into my brain that I just, I, I just don't even think about it. Honestly, try not to. As far as this life is concerned, but obviously, you know, the best is yet to come. And I think, you know, the enemy, that's his, that's his shtick. I mean, that's what he does. He wants to convince us all that it's never going to be better than we have right now. And even if right now sucks, that that's just, it's going to get worse. And I just think I've had to come to terms with this a lot. And, and I'm reminded in moments when the Lord, sort of laughs at me and says gently, you know, <laughs> the best yeah. is yet to come. You have yeah. no idea. Your mind yeah. can't even imagine what I have prepared for you. And yeah. and it's so good to be mindful of that. And I understand and, yeah. your perspective is a, is a healthy, pragmatic one in this moment. Yeah. And yet you must stay open to possibilities, right? Yeah, I, I must. And, you know, in the earlier stages of disability, for example, when I had to move to a cane, that was very traumatic at that time and very difficult. And I prayed mightily that my disability would not get worse. Well, it did. And I started having to use a walker. Then, of course, I continued to pray that it wouldn't get worse. Well, it did. And I'm using it and I'm now in a wheelchair. And so, you know, the way I wanted and the way I've prayed that it wouldn't get worse. Well, it always has. So I guess my my prayers have changed and that because I've seen God's provision in each of those stages of disability. So my prayers have changed that um even if it does get worse, that I would still be able to stay content and that the Lord would still provide in those situations. So that you would have comfort and peace in those moments. Yes. And that's how he's provided for you in the past. Yes. Yeah. I understand that. Well, very good. I personally will be praying that not only does the MS not progress and that your disability worsen, but that it you find that healing. And I know that above that, and more importantly, that you will find contentment and I will continue to pray for that, that you will feel that peace of the Lord and be surrounded in the intense love he has for you to the extent that it really just blurs out all of the physicalness of your experience. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Well, tell me, uh, you know, <laughs> my questions always center on miracles and supernatural movement. And I know that you know God is real, but can you tell me about your miracles? What has been the single biggest piece of evidence you have for his existence? You know, yes, the, the biggest piece of evidence I have when my husband and I were in a stage of Having been told that we would never have biological children, we started an adoption process, which resulted in our daughter from China, actually. And that was a six and a half year process. So we were, had finally come to the conclusion that we would not have our own biological children. And we were fine with that. Um, Not not that that wasn't painful in itself. That's a whole additional story. Um, um, but yeah, and all of a sudden, after many trips to a reproductive specialist, and that was given up on, and so not the product of the reproductive clinic, um, I, I miraculously became pregnant. And that, that was just <laughs> God's proof of his love. To yes. us, um, and and I became pregnant again after that. And wow. my second son is who I call my bonus baby. And um, <laughs> so here we thought that we would just have one daughter from China, and we were okay with that. And now we have a loud house full of three kids, <laughs> and um, and it's wonderful. It's absolutely Aww. wonderful. I love it. And even though, as you know, I mean, my kids were ages three, two, and one when we brought my daughter home. From That's China. insanity. And it, it, was <laughs> insa- it was insanity. You're exactly right. And it was the hardest year of my life. I'm sure. But I kept, I kept thinking to myself, you know, God did this. These were God's mir- miraculous boys. And then this daughter, a six and a half year wait. That's God's timing. Not mine, of course, but so it's going to work out. And so that's what kept me going during that insanity. Wow, that's a great story. And I can so relate to it because my daughter had secondary infertility. They had their Mm. first son Mm. and then she desperately wanted to get pregnant again and was having no luck at it. And anyway, when they finally prayed about it, and it was the funniest thing because the Lord told me she would have twins. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder if I heard him right. So she ended up getting pregnant. And just about the time she was considering all of her fertility options, all of her options at the fertility clinic. And she said, you know what, I'm just going to let it go to God. And I'm just going to trust if it's supposed to happen, it will happen. Well, it happened immediately. She got pregnant with her daughter, my granddaughter, Abigail, who was born on the anniversary, the 30th anniversary of my father's plane crash, May Mm. the 3rd. And that's another story because that date had always been sort of difficult for me. Mm -hmm. And at any rate, that was such a gift. And then a short time later, she was pregnant with twin boys. So her life was crazy. I am still tired. I'm still tired. (laughs) The boys just, the boys just turned three, the twins, and I am still exhausted. And I'm not even, you know, I can imagine her life is, is crazy. She, it felt like she had triplets and Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was great. And, um, but God is good. And my mom also was told she could not have children and she married my dad and he had two children already. He was divorced and had two children already. And she felt really great about that because she thought I can never give him kids. Well, then she got pregnant with me. And Mm. after that, three more. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. God is good. God is good. Well, I so appreciate you sharing your stories today, Debbie. And I didn't say, I don't think I even said your full name at the beginning. I Debbie Oki. I am so sorry. Well, I started thinking as I sat down, I need to find that story. <laughs> but I want to find that story. I am going to find it. I know I have the book somewhere about that lady that was healed after 18 years. It was an amazing story. But um Anyway, so I got a little sidetracked, so I do apologize, but I didn't say your name. Debbie Oki, which I love. It's spelled actually O-E-L-K-E, and the 
O and the L are not pronounced. Or no, the E and the, the, e L. And the L. The E and the L are not pronounced. So yeah. Debbie Oki, and you are finishing up your book now. And I know you've yeah. just connected with an editor, my editor, yeah. which I know yeah. is going to be yeah. great for you. And your Thank book you. is I'm Still Standing. And you'll need to let me know, keep me updated on all of that so I can... Let everyone else know, promote your book for you. This is an exciting time. And I'm just excited to see what the Lord will continue to do in your life. Thank you so much, Janet. I am too. Do you have anything else you want to tell our listeners today, Debbie? You know, I, I just wanted to say how amazing the Lord is. Yes. And it's, it's, you can, You've never arrived. I've never arrived. Um, I always am learning something new about the Lord and how he works and his word. So, yeah, that that's my last thing to say. My my piece of encouragement is, is if, yeah, if a person doesn't know what to do or um, is going through a tough time, then get in the word. Yes. And um Joy, joy does come in the morning. Oh, yeah, it sure does. There's joy beyond your wildest imagination coming for you, my friends. You just need to trust in Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for allowing me to talk with you today and being so gracious in your response. I'm so excited to support you and to know you. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. So Debbie Oki, her book is soon to be available. I'm Still Standing, Balancing Contentment with Desire for Healing. I thank you so much for listening to us today. And I want to give you a verse before I leave. There is a verse I had in mind for today's cast, and here it is. It's Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Please keep that in mind, because wherever you find yourself today, you are relevant, you are influential, and you are called to unveil truth for color, to light the world with color, and to share your color. I hope you'll continue to join us on Color Speak wherever you find your podcasts and on Grace and Truth Radio World. This is J.M. Huxley for Truth Talk on Color Speak, unveiling truth for light. Mm-hmm.